Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, this past Sunday morning, you took us to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, famous passage that chapter ends with, with these words, and that was the launching point for your sermon. Absolutely, and the section is dealing with the specific topic of the death of the Christian, and the apostle there, the apostle Paul writing that was wanting the Christians to be aware of these things, not to be uninformed. There's a lot of contrast in there between those who have hope, those who don't have hope, and as we were building upon that lesson, really, there's three major uh, themes we brought out of there. First of all, that these words bring understanding. That's how that begins. We do not want you to be uninformed. When somebody doesn't know, they are open for all kinds of speculation, error, all kinds of ideas. Uh, but when you have knowledge, knowledge drives away error. Knowledge drives away fear. The second thing is that these words offer hope. And that's why he was writing them to the Christians. These words are not gloom and doom because there's been a death and a funeral. It's optimistic and hopeful because of Jesus Christ. And then these words bring comfort. Uh, that's how that section ends, comfort one another with these words. And then they help. They help because these were the words to be shared to one another. And, you know, oftentimes, and we have seen this in our church family here, we've just been in a, a season of funerals here lately. It's been so much around the holidays. Oftentimes people just don't know what to say. I don't know what to ask. I don't know what to say to somebody. And, and sometimes the awkward and the crooked comes out. And, and Paul helps us here. Uh, these are the words we ought to say. These are the words of hope and comfort and to reassure ourselves what the Bible teaches on these things. So it's Wednesday, middle of the week. If uh, you were able to join us on Sunday, you know what a powerful sermon that was. But it's been a couple of days since we reflected on it. And so we want to revisit some of those words that Paul gives us to comfort and encourage each other. If you weren't able to join us on Sunday, certainly I'd encourage you to go back charlestownroad.org or our sermon podcast feed. The audio, the video is, of course, freely available. Roger, I jotted down five basic questions from these words that I thought here in the middle of the week, it would be really good for us to reflect on, all from 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. First of all, in verse 13, he he says, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep. Now, you just briefly touched on that in the sermon, but here in the middle of the week, how ought that way of describing those who have passed on from this life, how ought that to shape the way we're thinking? Well, first of all, the word asleep, as I, as I mentioned in the lesson, is used only of the righteous who have passed away. And uh, John 11, when we think about the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus is asleep. And then in Mark chapter 5, with the synagogue official's little girl who died, Jesus said, I go to awaken her. And so, so it, it's a word of comfort. The person isn't over. 
when a person is asleep, they're still alive. Now, they may not be conscious to being aware of what's going on right around them, but they will awaken. And, and that's all the biblical concepts we understand here is that, is that they're not uh, gone in the sense that, you know, that they don't exist anymore. But like a person who's asleep, they will awaken at the resurrection and, and they continue on. They are still alive. They're just on the other side. And so, so I, I think it's a very comforting expression. So many times we use uh, the negative terms like they have departed, they passed away, they, they cease to exist. Uh, that's not the biblical words we find, especially around the righteous. And the idea there is that they are alive. They're simply in the other room. As I use so often, the church family here knows that's, that's based upon John 14. And we're going to read that here in just a little bit. But, but it's just the idea in my father's house are many rooms. We're in one room now, the room of the living. There's a room, I believe, in, in the mother's womb. That, that child to be born is alive. And although he can't communicate with us and, and he seems to be in another world, he's simply in another room. And so when the person dies, they go through another door called death, and they're simply in the other room. They're still very much alive. And so Paul was reminding those brethren of such things as that. I appreciate you highlighting the way we sometimes talk about this. I know just personally, uh, growing up culturally, the people I was around, I, at least as far as I remember, the most common way of describing someone who had experienced physical death is they passed away. And so as a result, you know, I grew up using that phrase. I, I do still catch myself using that phrase every once in a while. But I, I agree with you. I'm not sure that's the most helpful of phrases for the Christian, especially as we're raising another generation. If we just describe those who have died as passing away, that really doesn't give us the idea, same idea as they are simply asleep. They are safe in the arms of Jesus. A resurrection is coming. And so I love how Paul's use of asleep gives us perspective even today on loved ones, friends, neighbors who have passed through the door of death, as you so often describe. All right, so later in that verse, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul readily acknowledges there are people around these Christians in Thessalonica who are grieving without hope. And so even today, 2023, what do you think is the difference between grieving without hope and for the Christian grieving with hope? So the the apostle does not say as a Christian, you should have no grief. Um, we remember Jesus cried at the grave of Lazarus, knowing what he's about to do, and that's resurrect him. But Jesus still wept. Uh, there's no shame. There's no apology for tears. But there's a big difference in grief with hope and grief without hope. Grief without hope is despair. It's the idea that the person's gone. And I'll probably never see him again. It's hopelessness. Years and years ago, uh, I was able to buy a set of commentaries. 
and they were they were from the 1800s and i really didn't want them but <laughs> but they were stuff full of newspaper clippings and and things that whoever had them before had cut out and i wanted all those things so i bought that commentary set just so i could get all those little <laughs> tidbits and so going through them there was a newspaper clipping from the late 1800s about the great agnostic Robert Ingersoll. And it was a newspaper clipping from New York about his funeral. And the interesting thing is he he was one who did not believe in God. And so the funeral was completely secular. There was no prayers, no Bible readings, no references to God, completely secular. And as the newspaper article continues on, the funeral was over but Ingersoll's wife and his two daughters refused to let him be buried. They were clinging to the casket. Mm. And as the writer was kind of kind of summing up the events of that day, he said, there, we hope that he can be buried tomorrow. Wow. And so that's, that's, that, that's grief without hope. Uh, I just cannot give up because I don't believe in anything anymore. And for the Christian, it's totally, totally different. And so, you know, there, there would be sorrow. Uh, we, we read about that in, in the book of Acts, I believe in chapter 8, after Stephen was stoned to death, that there was great lamentation over him. We read about Israel mourning the death of Moses and David. And, and, and someone who's been dear to our life, uh, there's going to be a grief in the morning. And, and, but, but it doesn't lead us to hopelessness and despair, and we cannot move on. Uh, when it's a Christian, we know that they're just in the next room. And we realize that they're in the best hands they can be, and that's the hands of God. And we realize that we just got to do what we need to do so we can be with them someday. I love how Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4 ties our hope to what we believe, right? He says in verse 13, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those who do not have hope for... Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. I'd like to zero in with you. Question number three here on the next phrase. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. What difference does Paul's declaration being from the Lord, making all of this talk. Well, as we know throughout all the scripture, it, it's not the thoughts of man, the opinions of man. This is an absoluteness from God. And so, so as he would say in verse 14, that we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so God will bring with him. Now that that's an absoluteness. It's not like we sure hope God does, or our fingers are crossed that God will. We hope God doesn't forget this. God will bring with Him those who fall asleep in Jesus. And so, by the word of the Lord is, is a, a stake in the ground. It's an absoluteness. It's a it's a point of authority. And so God has said this. And and when you read throughout the scriptures, and again we're going to come back to this, and I keep kind of kicking this down the road a little yeah. bit, but, but I know your questions here, and so so. We're going to get to John 14 here in just a moment. And when we get to John 14, Jesus himself will say that we will be with him forever. And so, so there is that statement from God. And if God said it, 
we know it's going to be. And, and so, so the, the, this is where the, the Thessalonians who were grieving could find the real hope that there was a promise from God, an absoluteness from God. How do we know there's going to be a resurrection? God said so. How do we know there's going to be a resurrection? God raised Jesus. That's that's his point in the book of 1 Corinthians. If Jesus was not raised, we will not be raised. Well, the opposite is Jesus was raised, so we will be raised. And so, so again, there, there's running through all this, the words, the promises of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Well, you and I could guess about that, right? But it's it's just a guess. What's the stock market going to do tomorrow? Uh, we can hypothesize about that, but it's just a guess, right? But what we're reading about here in 1 Thessalonians 4 is not Paul's guess. It's not a theory. It is a declaration from the Lord who is using Paul as a mouthpiece. What a difference that makes when we get that firmly fixed in our minds. Okay, uh, this we declare to you, he says in verse 15, by a word from the Lord that we we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, Roger, um, I, I've got girls in school, and so I hear about every once in a while. I know you hear in news and, you know, various television shows. There's all sorts of speculation as to how the world is going to end, how the human race is going to come to an end, uh, what that's all going to look like. Are we really to believe from First Thessalonians chapter 4, that there will still be human beings on the earth when Jesus comes. Is that going to be how this world ends? And and not just that, there will be Christians yeah. on the earth when Jesus comes. The Bible says that here in Thessalonians. It says it there in the book of First Corinthians, and we'll read that in just a moment. And so all these all these wild wild ideas, asteroid hitting the planet, destroying all or, you know, all human beings, some environmental crisis that just chokes us all to death, um, nuclear wars with China and Russia, and all those things. Another massive COVID outbreak break that destroys every human. That's not true. And, and, and somebody can say, well, how do you know that? How can you say that? Because by the word of the Lord. And just, just, just as he will tell us about death, he tells us about the coming of Jesus. There's a great statement at the end of the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul's on his journey to Rome. He's in a ship. There's been all kinds of turmoil. There's been shipwrecks and uh, the soldiers nearly kill them. There's all kinds of calamities on that. But he receives a vision from the Lord. And the Lord tells him that there will be no loss of life. And so Paul reports that to the sailors and the guards, and he says, it will turn out exactly as I have been told. And that's the confidence we have in scriptures. So over here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a chapter about the resurrection, the apostle would say in verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep. Well, again, we're talking about the word sleep about death. We will not all die. That's what he's saying. But we will all be changed. And from that, he talks about what happens when Jesus comes and how, how the living will be changed instantly in, in a, uh, just as quick as a wink, we may say, or the twinkling of an eye, just as fast as that is, uh, the living will change. But what that shows us is that there will be Christians on this earth when Jesus comes. 
And that's the assurance we have. So all these people who are blowing all the smoke about this disaster and that disaster and aliens and this and that, it's simply not true. How do you know that? By the word of the Lord. All right. So the context ends. I, I know you've been chomping at the bit, and I appreciate you being patient with me. We who are alive, First Thessalonians 4, 17, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. What's that last phrase mean to you? What, you know, it just means comfort. We will always be with the Lord. I mean, that relationship begins when we, I believe, are created. It begins when we are uh, saved by Jesus Christ. But here, I think he's talking about the literal aspect of us being together with Jesus. Now we go to my passage, John 14. <laughs> John 14, verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Uh, the old King James Version was used the phrase, in my father's house are many mansions. And for years, that's what I had in my mind. You know, you got this mansion over here with a gate around it and a little pond and, and next door is another mansion with a gate around that and a mansion over here. And we all have our little mansions, but we're all separate. We're not together. And that's not what this verse means. This verse really means in my father's house are many rooms. And he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus died so we could live. Jesus came into our world so we could go into his world. Always with the Lord. And what's interesting about that phrase is that we always have to go somewhere. When this podcast is over, Jason and I have to go different places. Uh, when you come to church services, uh, it's over. You got to go somewhere. You go to work, you got to go somewhere after that. You always have some other place to go. When you get to heaven, that's it. It's not going to be, well, this is really cool, God, but I've got an appointment. I've got to go somewhere else. There is no other place to go. That is the end of the journey in the presence of God. And we will always be there. What comfort, what hope that is. And for those Christians in Thessalonica who were grieving the death of their loved ones, some of them had died by persecution. They were wondering, is this it? Is it worth all these things? And the answer is absolutely yes. They're with the Lord. You hang in there. You'll be with the Lord. And no one could ever take that away from you. With these words, it's a Powerful text, great sermon. If you haven't had the opportunity to watch or listen, I'd certainly encourage you to go back and do that. Roger, thank you for using that and serving us uh, with that great text. Well, it is Wednesday, and we want to turn our attention this evening, all ages, to the words of God. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. We started a class at the beginning of this month, uh, you know, based upon our theme, Finish What Was Started. And we were talking, we're looking at what was started. And so we began with creation. We be, then we looked at a relationship with God. Today, we're going to talk about focusing on what's enduring. And there are some aspects of our life that endure and how the emphasis needs to be placed upon those things. All right. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are in Genesis. We're looking at it as a book of beginnings. Tonight, we'll be in Genesis 4, 5, and the beginning of 6, looking at the beginning of life 
outside of Eden. Whomever you are, whatever ages your your children are, we would love to have you join us this evening for Bible class, 7 o'clock p.m. I've got the opportunity to preach, Lord willing, this Sunday morning. And Roger, you just mentioned our theme, Finish What Was Started. Uh, right now, the, the, the Bible is, is like a big sandbox for you and me, just being able to mine a variety of scriptures that get this theme at the very heart of our church family this first quarter of the year. We're just exploring what was started. I want to go back to Colossians chapter 1, right around verse 15 and beyond, where the Apostle Paul draws our attention to Jesus as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He explores over the next several verses all sorts of glorious things that were started. We want to go back to that great text and look at finding our part, playing our part well in what the Lord started. What about you at 5 o'clock p.m.? Well, again, just kind of tying into the theme, but looking at different layers of this in our in our. Uh, year this year, we're going to talk about seasons of parenting. Uh, we've had a lot of young babies born here recently, excited to bring those little babies home. But then parenting, there, there's different seasons. That little baby grows up and that little baby gets taller than you do one day. And, and, <laughs> and how does parenting shift? How does it change? And again, to finish what was started. And again, how important that is. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road, making it a part of your day. We truly appreciate that. We would love to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. And we would love to have you come and grow with us. Mm -hmm.